0: CHAPTER Four, OF LIFE AND MARVELOUS ADVENTURES OF WILD BELL THE SCOUT. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jyoti Tharavanath. Life and marvellous adventures of Wild Bill the Scout. By J. W. Boole. Chapter four. Bill's desperate fight at Rock Creek. It was while occupying this position that the first and most desperate fight of his life occurred, and one which we may safely say is without a parallel. The particulars of this remarkable encounter have been given to the public several times, once by a writer in Harper's Monthly, who claims to have heard the story from Bill himself. But whether he reported bill correctly or not the account of an harper like that which has appeared in other publications has but the mere skeleton of truth in it the body being of error the author collected the facts and particulars of this fight from captain e w kingsbury at present chief of u.s storekeepers for the western district of missouri who was a passenger in the overland stage which arrived at rock creek within an hour after the fight occurred and saw the bodies of the men bill had killed and heard the story fresh from bill's own lips captain kingsbury's version of the encounter is corroborated by dr joshua thorne one of the most prominent physicians in kansas city who was wild Bill's physician during his life and at whose home bill was a frequent and familiar visitor bill repeated the story to dr thorne several times just as he gave it to captain kingsbury bill had very few confidants but among that privileged class were the two gentlemen mentioned who by their permission will be frequently referred to hereafter after the appearance of harper's monthly containing the sketch referred to bill was very angry and pronounced the writer of it a perverter of facts the correct story of the battle as we may properly call it is as follows the country for many miles around rock creek including mareswell and manhattan had for several years been infested by a desperate brand of marauders headed by jim and jack mccandles there were horse thieves and murderers who overran the country and levied tribute from nearly every one they met this murderers gang had killed more than a score of innocent men and women for the purpose of robbery and yet their power was such that no civil officer dared undertake their arrest in eighteen sixty one the year in which the fight occurred the mccandles boys raised a company in that section for the confederate service they established their headquarters about thirteen miles west of rock creek where they were collecting men and stolen horses early in the morning of the day in question Jim McCandles rode by Rock Creek Station in company with four of his men. McCandles was leading an old man, known as Parson Shapley by a lariat which was around the old man's neck. Coming up to Bill, the party stopped, and McCandles entered into a conversation in which he tried to persuade Bill to enter the Confederate service and to turn over all the horses at the station to him. Bill, a stranger to the sensation of fear, told McCandles to go to hell that if he did any fighting it would be on the side of the union mccandles then told bill that if he didn't have the horses ready for delivery by the time of his return that there would be a small murder at rock creek station and the stage company would have to get another man the party then rode off in this connection in order to give the reader an idea of the manner in which Wild will received this would-be murderer's it is necessary to partially describe rock creek station the house in which bill and a single partner known as doc mills ate and slept was a low-roofed log hut fronting the creek with the rear part built against the hill it had a front door and a very small window in the side near the rear the single room was divided by an old blanket hung from the roof behind which was a table and a bed made after the frontier style this rude structure was one of the many sleeping-places called dugouts so often seen in the wild west even at this day the stables also very rude but strongly made adjoined the dugout on the east side the arms of the house consisted of two revolvers one shotgun a large bow rifle which bill called a mississippi yager and two large bowie knives after dinner doc mills took the shotgun and one of the revolvers which he usually carried and went down the creek a short distance to shoot some quail during his absence and about four o'clock in the evening while Bill saw the two McCandles boys, accompanied by eight others, riding up the road toward him, Bill at once withdrew into the dugout and prepared to defend the place. Coming around in front of the dugout, Jim McCandles hallooed to Bill, telling him to come out and deliver the horses. To this, Bill returned an insulting reply. The mounted party then left their horses and began an onslaught on the door with a log which they used as a battering ram. Bill stood behind the old blanket, rifle in hand, and revolver and knife lying on the table. It required but a few strokes to break the door, and the crowd of cutthroats headed by Jim McCandles, rushed in. The old yager was discharged, and the leader fell with a hole in his heart as large as a silver half dollar. Bill seized his revolver and shot three more before any of them had reached him the most terrible scene then followed every man was like a wounded lion the six others jumped at bill like harpies that had tasted blood he was borne down upon the table but his right hand was cutting right and left the blood was gushing from his forehead where he had been stuck with the rifle which almost blinded him he cut two others down and jack mccandles leaped upon him with an immense dirk drawn to cut bill's throat by a rare stroke of luck bill placed the muzzle of his pistol over mccandles heart and fired the knife in mccandles hand dropped harmlessly upon bill and the man jumped into the air and fell dead rolling over bill and falling off the table to the floor during this time the others who had life in them were firing their pistols at bill whenever opportunity presented but the numbers gave him the advantage there was but little light in the room and it was only the ones next to bill that could do him any injury and the others being fearful of killing their own party six of the number had now been killed and two others badly wounded they began to retreat and though bill was apparently bleeding at every pore he now pressed the fighting the two who remained unharmed reached their horses and leaping into the saddle fled as though they were being pursued by one who was shielded with a panoply of invulnerability the two wounded ran down the hill but one was cut so badly that he fell beside the root of a large tree and was unable to go further at this juncture doc mills came back and when halfway up the hill he was met by bill who grabbed the loaded shotgun and placing the muzzle to the head of the wounded man blew his brains out the other one whose name was jolly managed to elude bill and reach manhattan where in a few days thereafter he died but not until he had told the story of the fight substantially as here related after the excitement of the terrific combat was over bill fainted from loss of blood and was carried into the dugout by his partner doc mills the sight on the inside was now terrible six men lay dead on the floor jim mccandle's body was lying across the threshold of the door almost half submerged in his blood hideous caches and large bullet-holes had opened the reservoir of blood which formed in large pools after making small creaks over the floor the countenances of the dead men were most revolting. Not a groan escaped the lips of any of the victims. After Dr. Mills entered with Bill's half lifeless body, which he laid tenderly on the rude bed, every one had been killed outright. Those shot evidenced Bill's coolness and deliberate aim throughout the terrible ordeal. Each was shot either in the heart or head and the terrible dagger had been thrust with equal precision to the wells of the heart in less than one hour after the fight was over the stage from denver arrived full of passengers some of whom were thus introduced for the first time to the desperation of western life wild bill rallied sufficiently to tell the story of his dreadful encounter with ten of the most desperate men that ever cut a man's throat or robbed a stable every attention that could be shown was given bill he was too badly cut and shot to admit of removal but a surgeon was sent for from manhattan and old mrs watkins who lived within five miles of the station came down as soon as she heard the news and volunteered her services to nurse him bill's wounds consisted of a fracture of the skull three gashes on the breast and a cut to the bone on his left forearm there were seven balls in his legs and body and there was scarcely a place on his face limbs or body that was not black from bruises he had received it would seem impossible that a man could survive such injuries but nevertheless in six months bill was out again and in less than one year he was as sound physically as ever it is not necessary to say that the McCandle's boys never entered the Confederate Army, and the manner in which they left the service they had been in so long was cause for thanks. The people of that section worshipped Bell as no other man. He had civilized the neighborhood. End of chapter Four Recording by Jyoti Tharavanath